What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. Same host as always. My name is Joe Blair. You may have forgotten because I didn't get you guys an episode last week. Sorry about that. Personal life does get in the way sometimes, but I'm back. We got week seven in the NFL to preview here. I'm going to give you guys some juicy nuggets that you can use to gamble on your own this weekend, or you can just tail my game picks. Doesn't matter. As long as you're here, I appreciate you. Um, let's not dilly dally here. Let's get into, you know, breaking down or excuse me, recapping rather uh, some of our recent numbers and some of our season numbers, and then we'll get into week seven. So last couple of weeks been super mediocre just to be upfront with you guys I never lie about my numbers here I keep track of everything um, been pretty much 50 50 on the books so far going I crunched these numbers earlier I believe 24 and 20 on bets over the last two weeks that's right I've placed 14 bets over the last two weeks um, probably should get some help but that's besides the point it's not happening today uh, in week six we uh, pick every game here went eight and six against the spread three and 11 over under had a brutal week last week on the over unders um, also went oh and three on my over under top picks of the week so um, hopefully we bounce back there the over unders have been our most consistent category here this year but again you know week six honestly very difficult week in the NFL a lot of crazy upsets and a lot of weird fucking scores last week. But as we continue here to recap, um, like I said, 8-6 and six against the spread, 3-11 and 11 on over-unders on our picks last week. On the season, those picks are both pretty similar, 51-41-2 and 41 and two against the spread, 52-41 and 41 over-under. It's down to 55% right now, so we would like to get those back up. I'd like those to be a little bit better here. Um, as far as our top picks, 2-1 and one against the spread last week, 0-3 oh over-under. Uh, top spread picks for the season, 10-7-1. and one. Top over-unders, 10-8. and eight. We were 10-5 and five going in the last week, but an 0-3 oh will set you back. Uh, we did go 2-1 and one on upset picks last week for our top three upset picks of the week. We had the Atlanta Falcons to beat the San Francisco 49ers, plus 188 on the money line. We had the Patriots, plus 130, in a very easy money line victory over the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, I took the uh, Chiefs to beat the Bills. Didn't work out, but we were in that one. And, you know, that game was kind of a, a coin flip either way. Uh, no pun intended uh, as a reference to that uh, playoff game last year. <clears throat> so, uh, picks up and down. Um, like I said, uh, gambling-wise, 12-12 um, and 12 actually last week. So exactly 50%. We're at um, 24 out of 44 over the last two weeks. So got to get those numbers up there a little bit. Did hit a bet uh, last night on the Thursday night football game, so we have a little bit of momentum here. Took a player player prop, uh, Jawan Johnson, tight end for the Saints, over 26 and a half yards. He got me 32 yards. He also scored two touchdowns. Um, so anybody who threw in on a little anytime touchdown there could have cashed big on Jawan Johnson. Um, speaking of Thursday night, quickly touch on that. The uh, Saints lost to the Cardinals, 42 to 34. Um, Kyler Murray in the offense looking a little bit better with DeAndre Hopkins back in the swing of things. And now Kyler gets the entire weekend for his uh, double XP with the release of the new Call of Duty. So uh, good for you, Cardinals, getting that win out of the way. Um, that's about all the recapping that I want to do here. Uh, I'm going to take a pick uh, quick pause, guys. Try and figure out how to talk. I'm going to come back, and we are going to pick the Week 7 games. Um, I'm just going chronological again. No London game. We'll knock out the 1 o'clock, move to the 4.30 slate, and then bang out the night games. So be back in two seconds. First game we're breaking down here is the Lions at the Cowboys. Cowboys are home favorites of 6.5. Was 7 earlier in the week. Jumped down a half point earlier today, recording this Friday afternoon. Um, the over-under is 48 and a half here. Uh, the Detroit Lions are coming off a bye. And, you know, there's I've got a number of trends here that I'll just go through before I give you my final gut analysis here. First off, the referee is Adrian Hill. Um, games are averaging 45 and a half points per game with Adrian Hill. Um, the over-under here, again, 48 and a half. Uh, road teams are 4-0 against the spread, 3-1 straight up with Adrian Hill. Road favorites went 5-2 against the spread last year with him. Detroit not a favorite here, but just goes to show he does favor road teams. Um, Detroit, 14-5 against the spread off a of bye week over the last 19 years. 9-1 against the spread on the road off a of bye in the last 10 spots. 
Um, Detroit also getting pretty significant, well, not massive, but um, notable cash split on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, the Lions are getting 50% of the bets, but 61% of the dollars on the spread. They're also getting 19% of the bets, but 31% of the dollars on the money line. Um, I, I got a couple more stats before I get into it. Um, dogs off a bye week, getting seven or more points, uh, three and one against the spread since 2020. And dogs off a bye week, 15 and eight against the spread since 2020. So that includes dogs not getting seven or more. Um, but Jared Goff is 0-8 uh, in his last eight games versus a defense allowing less than 20 points per game. And that's just that's how I'm taking this. I'm going to ignore all the trends that I just said. And, you know, maybe over the weekend I can talk myself into taking Detroit here. You know, that half point, getting a little bit of love here early this week and jumping a half point off of the key number, it, it, is, uh, it is a red flag that I look for from time to time. It's just, again, when I picture this, uh, game, you know, it playing out in my head. Um, Got to go with the gut here as far as <clears throat> this Dallas defense is really, really good. Um, the Detroit Lions, they started out really hot on offense this year, but the Patriots clearly were able to handle them. They haven't been entirely healthy on offense. I'll have to double check if DeAndre Swift is playing. I don't think he is this week, but I know he's been hinting towards uh, getting more active coming off that injury. Amon Ross St. Brown should be back. Uh, but to me, you know, Trayvon Diggs on St. Brown, we'll see how much of a factor he can be coming immediately off the injury. Um, Dallas's defense, back to the main point, pretty good. Uh, Philly was able to be relatively successful against them last week. But the thing is, that's a bad matchup for Dallas, okay? The Eagles have the best O-line in the league. Michael Parsons clearly was not going to be able to get pressure there. I talked about it. Well, I guess I didn't talk about it on the episode because <clears throat> I didn't do one last week. But it was something that um, over and over in my conversations about that game had come up. The fact that Mike, you know, Mike, the Cowboys win by generating pressure on the quarterback. And um, I think bottom line when I see this game in my head, Jared Goff is going to be under pressure a lot in this football game. It's, it's not something that Dallas could do to Philly because of how good their O-line is, but it won't be an issue here. Dallas at home, I think they can handle business here. Dak Prescott coming back, finally getting healthy. They get Dalton Schultz back as well. And um, it seems like just you know in one week after a Sunday night football loss to an undefeated Eagles team with a backup quarterback, uh, people have forgotten just how good this Dallas defense is. So I'm going to go with that in this game. Again, I mentioned a number of trends indicating that Detroit could be a sneaky dog this week. So if you guys have an angle that you don't and you think that I'm overlooking this here, let me know. Um, I will say the over is getting 41% of the bets, 52% of the cash on DraftKings. So maybe a little hint towards the over there, but I don't know. I could see myself taking the under here as well. I think they're kind of correlated. If you like Dallas, you like the under. And if you like Detroit, I think you got to like them to, to stay in it in a shootout. I think that's how it works. Uh, but again, I think Jared Goff will be under some pretty significant pressure here. And I'm going to lean with Dallas minus a seven on this pick. Next up, we got a divisional matchup here in the 1 o'clock window in a game that really could have a lot of playoff implications. It is early in the season, but this is the second matchup between the Colts and Titans, and they are the two teams that going into this season were projected to be uh, fighting for that AFC South crown. Um, the Titans are at home this time. Uh, they do hold the, uh, the victory from earlier in the season in Indy. Um, Titans are two and a half point favorites this weekend. The over-under is 42 and a half, and this time I'm going to give you guys trends that I actually think apply to this side. How about that for a change here? Um, where do we start here? First off, I like the under and I like the Colts. Okay, let's just preface it and then I'll tell you why. Um, the under, Ron Torbert. Guys, this referee, Ron Torbert, just bet his unders every week. The guy is a king. Um, he refed the Chargers and the Broncos on Monday night last week. What did they score? 29 points in uh, uh, five quarters there in that football game. His uh, football games actually averaged 28.6 this year. So 29, bingo. Um, the over-under is 42.5 in this one. Ron Torber, uh, the under is 5-0 this year, went 11-5 last year for him in the regular season. So that's 16-5 over this guy's last 21 games. And watching that game, 
even in the first quarter, I could tell the under was a, a dead ringer just based on the amount of holding penalties that I saw and the way that he was letting the defenses play and calling some pretty ticky-tack shit on the offense. I'm not saying that this is rigged. I'm not saying that he is deliberately controlling the pace of games, although I have hinted at that at times with certain referees here. And in certain situations, I've seen it. Um, but besides the point, let's not go on an angry rant here. I think that the over-under angle, this guy is consistently calling unders. And I just mentioned the way that you do that, you call offensive holding and you, you know, let the defenders get a little physical like a lot of referees really are not doing. You know, it's very easy, easy to give offensive extra possessions right now with the ticky-tacky, you know, helmet-to-helmet, unnecessary roughness, illegal contact, pass interference. These refs, it's almost as bad as the NBA now as far as you can basically put a guy on the free throw line anytime you want and you can give away a first down anytime you want. But Ron Torbert's doing the opposite and I am here for it. So Ron Torbert, let's go ahead and play on this under 42 and a half uh, between these two teams that just don't really have explosive offenses. Um, the Titans, as far as pass catchers, who do they have here? Robert Woods looks like not the same player he was early in his career. Rookie Traylon Burks, who I think was kind of ascending as the alpha target in this pass catching game he's sidelined he's on the IR I think with a foot injury um Derrick Henry great player excuse me guys as I work through a little bit of uh gas bubbles here uh Derrick Henry's great but um I just I think it's a situation where if they don't get him going, their offense can be very one-dimensional you could say that about the Colts too because they're kind of built similar except I like the pass-catching weapons more. Michael Pittman's a dog, and Alec Pierce looks to be a very good rookie. They're getting the tight ends more involved each week. Jelani Woods was uh, my, you know, by far and away my favorite tight end at the Combine this past year. Um, they fixed their offensive line last week against Jacksonville, it looks like. They allowed zero sacks last week against Jacksonville, and that was the biggest thing holding this Colts team back in my opinion. Um, I mentioned the ref, Ron Torber, as we come back to that here. Road teams also 4-1 and one against the spread, 3-2 and two straight up this year for Ron Torber. Uh, the Colts, 8-2 and two straight up, 7-3 and three against the spread in their last 10 games at Tennessee. So they have a lot of success in this stadium, in this rivalry. Frank Reich, 4-1 and one against the spread as a divisional underdog in his time as head coach of the Colts. Um, under Frank Reich, the Colts have played uh, consecutive divisional opponents on seven different occurrences, so back-to-back -back divisional games. In the second, uh, second game of those stints, he's 5-2 and two against the spread. And off of a straight-up win in those back-to-backs, he's 3-0 and oh against the spread after winning the first one. Uh, they did beat Jacksonville last week. So hopefully he can go to 6-2 and two and 4-0 and oh on those metrics. I'll say he doesn't have a great record against um, the AFC South that is not the Houston Texans. He dominates Houston, um, but against the Jags and Titans, combined 6-12-1 against the spread. But a lot of those are big numbers that they were laying to Jacksonville that they just didn't cover. Um, I like these teams to trade games this year. I think that the Colts can get it done on the road. Like I said, the main thing to me, I, this was pretty close to a team that I was just willing to never bet again for the rest of my life. They fixed their O-line last week, guys. Again, zero sacks. Matt Ryan, um, he needs time to operate in this offense. Um, but I think that they figured something out last week. Going from what their O-line looked like to zero sacks is a massive improvement. They clearly fixed something. Also, Jonathan Taylor coming back this week, and hopefully the nagging um, lower body injuries are gone after a, you know, a full two weeks off. Hopefully we get him back to close to 100%, and this Colts offense can start to get a little momentum. So that's my pick here. I'm taking the Colts plus 2.5. And I'll probably have their money line this week. This is, you know, potentially one of my dog picks this week. This next game is a really gross one. This is maybe if you're just eyeballing the spreads this week, the line that jumps off the page the most as sort of being like, what the fuck, who set this line and what do they know that I don't? We got the Giants heading down to Jacksonville. The Giants are 5-1. and one. I think the Jags are, what, 2-4 and four right now, if I remember that off the top of my head. Uh, Jacksonville minus 3. It was 3.5 this afternoon, guys. I saw 3.5 out there, which is a massive indicator that the books are willing to go off the key number of 3 here, especially on a Friday afternoon when you'd think the public is not really attacking these lines. 
It's interesting. It's a red flag for sure. Over-under is 42 and a half. This just, this really does look like just a reverse psychology game straight up. The books know something we don't. For me, when I try and, you know, diagnose what exactly that is, the Giants just aren't that good, guys. And, you know, maybe I have take lock here and maybe, you know, the Giants make the playoffs this year. You know, I've, I've kind of held my ground against the Jets, too, and it's come to bite me in the ass a bit here. Um, I'm not actively betting against these teams every week, although I did, you know, fade the Jets with the Steelers two weeks ago. But um, I just I don't believe that they can really um, I don't think this Giants team is for real. Let's not even get into the Jets. I'm just saying it's a similar situation. Um, this Giants team is just pulling victories out of their asses, really. Um, they're not, you know, dominating in any sort of statistical categories. To be honest, they're a very bad team in a majority of their statistical categories. But they are getting teams that are beating themselves. I'll give them credit for this. It seems like they do have some locker room chemistry coming together, that coaching staff. It looks like they're having fun. They believe in each other, which is a big thing. But you cannot bank on that to come through week in and week out. This is a team from uh, New York where, guys, I live in Rochester. Granted, I'm about uh, five or six hours west of um, New Rutherford there where the Giants are hanging out. But it's been 40 degrees up here for the last two weeks, and now this team is going to go play in Jacksonville this weekend. I've talked on past episodes the angle of taking these northern teams like a Green Bay or like a Buffalo and, and fading them when they have to go play down in Miami or down in Jacksonville or down in Tampa. We see it all the time. Um, again, reverse psychology. Why is Jacksonville favored here? It's because the Giants are not a super team and they should not be a 5-1 and one team. Uh, last week, they got a win over the Ravens. Not many people made the connection there. Um, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Giants, got fired by the Ravens this offseason. A little bit of, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, bad, bad blood there possibly between him and Harbaugh. So it could have potentially been a bit of a revenge spot for that Giants team and for that Giants defense that definitely played lights out in the second half. We'll see if they can duplicate it on the road against uh, an opponent that's pretty easy to look over. That said, Jacksonville has been able to get their running game going last few weeks here. Uh, Giants bottom quarter in the league in defensive run DVOA. Uh, Jacksonville getting an 18 to 39 uh, DraftKings spread split, meaning 18% of the bets, but almost 40% of the money on the spread here at Jacksonville minus three at DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, also, in the last 20 years, teams to open with an 80% or better win percentage have only been listed as an underdog versus a team with a win percentage of 33% or less five times at this point in the season, week seven or later. Those teams over that 20-year sample size, one and four straight up, one, three, and one against the spread. The Giants will lose to Jacksonville this week, and everybody will say, what the fuck? How did that happen? And I'll be sitting here saying the Giants were never good in the first place. So I, I know it's scary. You don't want to do it. It's a 5-1 and one team against the Jags. But this Giants team should not be a 5-1 and one team, and I'm going to plant my flag on that until I go broke. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I die, I die. Uh, but we're going with Jacksonville here, minus three, to maybe shock some people, I guess. I won't be too surprised, but we're going with the Jags. Next game here, 1 o'clock kickoff, our second of three divisional matchups this Sunday. We have the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore minus 6.5 at home. Uh, Over-under is 46.5. I think that dropped to 45.5 this week, if I remember that correctly here, guys. Um yeah, this one, uh, unfortunately, my pick's going to go against another ref trend for us here. I, I don't love that, but um, my gut is all over Cleveland here in this spot. I like Cleveland plus the 6.5 quite a bit here, and it, it, it's tough for me to do that. I had to talk myself into this one just a little bit. I'm really a big Ravens guy. I have plenty of futures on the Ravens to win their division and even go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, don't need to get into specifics right now, but I'm really disappointed with the way that they look. They just don't look like they have it right now from a team standpoint. I've heard some people speculate that there could be some awkward stuff going on with Lamar's whole contract situation right now. And maybe it's felt throughout the locker room. I don't know. Um, 
uh, intangibles aside there, I, I just don't think this is a great matchup for the Ravens. I was hoping they'd figure their defense out. And they have, I would say the defense has uh, played better over the last two weeks, definitely, um, against the Bengals and Giants. But I'm not really sure how much weight I can put into that right now. I think this Browns team, the way that they're willing to commit to the run, um, the Ravens have really struggled to defend the run this year, um, last year as well. And I think it could be another big day for Nick Chubb. Um, the Browns have dropped a couple in recent history. They're two and four uh, this season, but I think this is a decent matchup, and it is a divisional rivalry here. The road team is actually sixteen and eight against the spread in this divisional rivalry. Um, I mentioned I'm going against the refs here. The ref is Sean Smith. Uh, games average forty two point two points per game, so we saw that over under drop a point this week, and this guy's averaging forty two points. Let's pay attention to that. Um, but the home team four and one straight up and against the spread this year. Home favorites are three and zero against the spread under Sean Smith. So the referee trend would indicate Baltimore minus six and a half here. Um, to be honest. Uh, I could see Cleveland getting in the back door in this one if they're not able to really stay competitive the whole time. We haven't seen Baltimore able to finish teams, and specifically on defense. They're letting teams get back into it late. We've seen it three times this year, and all of their losses, they are blown leads. If the, if the Browns have to backdoor this, I still feel like they have a shot to do that. Again, that running game, I think, just really has a great matchup here. Lamar Jackson, 7-13 and 13 against the spread as a home favorite of three or more, not including week one games because the Ravens have historically crushed in week one. Um, Lamar Jackson also, just in general, 13 and 17 against the spread at home in his career. He's 18 and 11 against the spread on the road. So we see him covering more on the road, not at home. He's 10 and 17 against the spread as a home favorite as well in his career. So not what you'd expect from Lamar Jackson, but these are the numbers. Cleveland is currently getting a uh, 38% of the bets, but 57% of the cash split at DraftKings Sportsbook. The over in this one is also uh, getting a 58-73 cash split on DraftKings. Um, lastly, uh, this is a weird one. John Harbaugh is just 11-19-2 against the spread after a straight-up loss when facing a divisional opponent in the next game as the head coach of the Ravens. It's actually the least profitable uh, coaching against the spread record in the NFL fitting that trend. Um, so that's interesting. Lastly, Baltimore uh, has a look ahead. They're on the road at Tampa Bay this Thursday night. I know it's a divisional rivalry game. I know that they are three and three and, you know, they clearly need a win to kind of get some of this bad juju off their back. I, I don't want to get over um, over specific by calling my shot on the backdoor cover. That's kind of what it feels like to me if Cleveland can backdoor this one. But I like their running game to keep them at least within the six and a half. So I am taking the Browns to cover against Baltimore this weekend. Next game, we got the Falcons heading up to Cincinnati for a non-conference road spot. Bengals are minus six and a half. Over-under is 47 and a half. And I've gone back and forth on this one quite a bit. This is not an easy game for me to pick. I was going to go with the Falcons. I think I've talked myself into the Bengals here in this spot. Um, I was a little worried about this being potentially a sandwich spot for the Bengals. And kind of maybe a weird thinking behind this one, but stick with me. Um, they just played in New Orleans last week, which was like a, basically a homecoming game for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, right? And that's kind of an emotional spot. You know, they got a big, you know, late come from behind win in New Orleans where they played at college and, you know, won the national championship in the Superdome. Now they come home for a non-conference opponent who they're probably not that familiar with. And then next week they are at Cleveland. So they have a divisional opponent next week. That to me is, you know, that's a sandwich spot. There, I can't really deny it. It is. That said, I talked myself into it not really mattering. We'll see. I don't know if this is my favorite spread this week. The Falcons are 6-0 against the spread this year. They've been covering every game. They're doing it by running the football and keeping shit ugly. They're, really, they're not turning the ball over, which is basically all that Arthur Smith has asked of Marcus Mariota, and so far he's doing it. They're okay with throwing the ball eight or ten times in a football game as long as they can keep it close and maybe win. They just upset the 49ers. Um, but I, I don't think I can pick them in this spot. Again, it's a dome team traveling to an outdoor venue on the road, non-conference. This Bengals team is 12-2 and against the spread in their last 14 games, including 4-0. and 
against the spread in their last four. Um, off to a slow start earlier in the season, Super Bowl hangover. I'm willing to kind of bank on them kind of getting right around this portion of the season. Their defense has actually been really good aside from last week in New Orleans, uh, really over um, you know their last 10 games or so going all the way back to the Super Bowl run last year. Um, Atlanta getting a 24% of the bets, 42% of the dollars cash split on the money line in this game, but there is an opposite cash split on the spread here. If I can pull that up real quick, I'm seeing 41% of the bets, 55% of the money on Bengals minus six and a half. So uh, conflicting cash splits on the spread and the money line, I got to be honest, I'm still trying to feel out what that means. So we're going to have to maybe take a look back on this and see if we can pick up on some patterns there. Um, but I'm willing to go with my gut here as far as the Bengals. Uh, maybe this one is close and then they, they pull ahead late. Maybe this is an ugly one until the late third, early fourth quarter. But I'm just not sure I'm willing to take Mariota to get it done on the road here. They're coming off uh, kind of a big underdog win at home and now again on the road um, non-conference against the Bengals team that looks like they're they're coming into their own. The over is getting 63% of the bets but 85% of the dollars and to me if this over hits that's uh, going more in favor of the Bengals side of things than the Falcons. I think the Falcons have to keep this one uh, low scoring to keep it close. I'm not sure if they can do that. The ref is Cleet Blakeman. No massive trends. Home teams did go 10 and 6 straight up, 11 and 5 against the spread for them last year, but this year so far 3 and 2, inconclusive, nothing major. Uh, games are averaging 43.6 points per game under Blakeman. The over under is 47 and a half, so let's pay attention to that. But the pick for me here is the Bengals minus 6.5. This next one, we got the Packers at the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are a four and a half point home underdog. This was five and a half earlier this week. I'm a little confused why this is moving down. I'm going to disagree with the line movement here, and I'm going to go with the Packers, despite what the eyeball test has been telling me. The over-under is 41 and a half here, and we're, it looks like we're getting some sharp money on the under. So if you're going to play this one, that's probably where I would lean. Taylor Heineke starting for the Commanders. Some have argued it's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. I'm not going to get into that can of worms here. We're just going to talk about the players that are going to be on the field. I don't really see Heineke having a whole lot of success here against a Packers defense that I think has been looking for a get-right game here for the last month or so. Uh, high expectations for that unit coming into this season. They've really been disappointing lately. But I see this Washington team being very bad on offense, and I just um, <clears throat> I don't know how Green Bay fucks this one up, if I can just be blunt about this. The under is getting 53% of the bets, 79% of the dollars on DraftKings. Um, the ref here, Clay Martin, uh, averaging 53.3 points per game. That's not good for our under. <laughs> but, um, yeah, his stats are not good for the Packers either. I'm just ignoring him. Home teams, 15-6 and six straight up, 13-8 against the spread since last year. Home teams averaging 31.3 points per game uh, under Clay Martin um, this season. That said... I can't do it. You know, I'm not going to pick Taylor Heineke and the Commanders to handle business against the Packers. I think the Packers, they got to fucking put it together, man. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is another take lock. Maybe the Giants are really good and the Packers are really bad. But I, I got to go with the gut here. The Packers, I was worried maybe a look-ahead spot. They're at Buffalo next week, which is fucking big, right? Um, Buffalo on a bye this week here. So they got extra time pr to prepare for that one. That said, I don't think the Packers can afford to fuck around. They have lost two straight games to the Jets and Giants. They are 3-3 three and three right now. The Vikings are 5-1 and one with a two-game lead and a divisional tiebreaker as of the moment here due to a head-to-head -head victory over the Packers uh, in that NFC North. So they got a win here. Their schedule is tough coming up, too. I mentioned they got the Bills. They got a couple other tough opponents coming up here. Um, I think they might have a game against the Packers left this season, if I'm remembering shit correctly. Um, so they need this one. Um, home underdogs off extended rest. So that's 10 or more days. Um, the Redskins, <laughs> I'll do that almost every episode here. The Commanders um, coming off that Thursday night game in Chicago, right? Uh, home dogs off extended rest, 22 and 55 straight up. 
30 and 45 and 2 against the spread over the last 10 years. I'll say it again. Home dogs with 10 or more days of rest, 22 and 55 straight up, 30 and 45 and 2 against the spread. 10-year sample size. Give me the pack in a get-right game. You you guys better fucking handle business here. Like I'm it's panic mode if the Packers find a way to fuck this one up. Even if they almost lose this game, it's panic mode. But give me Green Bay. Minus the four and a half. I don't get the line movement. Um, Give me the pack. Coming off that Packers breakdown, speaking of Super Bowl contenders who have looked like dog shit in recent history, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play at the Carolina Panthers this weekend. The Bucs are 13-point favorites on the road to their divisional, uh, I was going to call them a rival, but it's more of a big brother, little brother type situation. Over, under on this one, I believe 40 and a half if that hasn't moved too much on me this week. Let's double check that. 40 and a half. Look at that. Okay. Um, this game's going under, and the Bucks are going to beat the shit out of the Panthers. Um, the Panthers' opportunity to get up <clears throat> for the whole coach firing situation, that was last week against like a Rams offense that was struggling. Um, it looked like they did have a little bit of fight in the first quarter there, and then shit got busted open when P.J. Walker started throwing interceptions. P.J. Walker is going to struggle again this week against the Bucks defense that's better than that Rams defense, if we can be honest with ourselves here. The, the Bucks' problems have been on the offensive side of the ball recently. It doesn't matter. I don't think they need to score an offensive touchdown to win this game. They can kick field goals and score with their defense and still probably cover this 13. I'm just not worried about it. Um, the referee is Craig uh, Rolstad. Rolstad, excuse me, guys. Um, averaging 38 points per game this year in his games. The under is 4-1 and one this season under Rolstad. Um Let's see, what else do I have here? Brady, in a game with a total of 42 or lower over the last 20 years, 52 and 8 straight up, 44 and 16 and 1 against the spread. Also over the last 20 years, Brady's 13 and 3 straight up, 14 and 2 against the spread after losing as a touchdown or more favorite in his previous game. He's 2 and 0 straight up and against the spread with the Buccaneers in that situation. So it wasn't just the Patriots, although smaller sample size for sure. Um, also in the last 20 years, uh, teams to lose as a touchdown or more favorite and listed as a touchdown or more favorite again. 48 and 19 straight up, 32 and 35 and one against the spread. So that's not a great spread record, but 48 and 19 straight up. Brady's 3 and 0 straight up and against the spread in that spot. I'm going to trust a majority of those numbers. They're not going to worry about the cover rate in that one trend there. Um, unders getting 43% of the bets, 64% of the dollars at DraftKings, and the Bucks are getting 49% of the bets, 63% of the dollars on the spread. Also, the Bucks are on a four game in a row against the spread losing streak. Teams that have lost four or more in a row against the spread and are listed as a double digit favorite, seven and zero straight up in their last seven games. If you're going to win it straight up, you're more than likely going to cover here. We've talked about it. The spread only matters in 12% of NFL games. Give me the Bucks to cover the big number. I just don't see how the Panthers score on this team. Point, but They just traded Christian McCaffrey, which you know, I guess I just kind of breeze over because I'm not really into reporting the obvious shit that you guys probably already know. But how, how can you feel great about being a Carolina Panther right now? Like, what does this team have to get up for emotionally? Like, yeah, there's guys that need to put good film out there for the rest of their careers, but this coach isn't going to be there next year. The quarterback's not going to be there unless he's a backup for C.J. Stroud once the Panthers take him in the draft with the number one pick. Um, guys are being traded. Like, it's a fire sale. And, like, so the guys in that locker room, I just don't know what they're fighting for. Sorry about it, Panthers. Number one pick, uh, it's a good year to have it. CJ looks like a prospect, but uh, give me the bucks laying the big number. So I just realized that in a bit of uh, maybe an unprecedented move here on the SGR pod, we have just picked three favorites in a row against the spread. I don't know if I've ever picked three favorites against the row in a row on anything here, but uh, we're going to get back to taking some gross dogs. And yeah, guys, I'm going to tell you to put your money on the Houston Texans to cover plus seven against the Raiders this week in Las Vegas. It's the first of our afternoon window. It's 4.05 kickoff here. The over-under is 45 and a half. Like I said, Raiders are minus seven here at home. 
And yeah, this Texans team a little feisty. I think this Raiders team, really, it's more about them being disappointing. I just don't think they're that great. I don't think they're that well coached. They look undisciplined to me um, and inconsistent on both sides of the ball, really. Um, Darren Waller is out. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I believe he's back to full participation. I think he was dealing with some injuries, but he just hasn't been the same player this year. Um, it's basically the Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs show. Um, I think Josh Jacobs is set up for a very good day here. Um, but I, seven's a big number. I got some trends uh, telling me to fade the Raiders this week. Um, let's let's get into the trends. Uh, last 20 years, Raiders are 5-14 and 14 against the spread off a bye week. A um, little bit of thinking into that. This is a So they haven't been in Vegas that whole time, but they've been out on the West Coast, like L.A., Oakland, kind of a party atmosphere, party culture, maybe with the Raiders, not that much locker room discipline, kind of like I just alluded to a little bit there. Um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did see some pretty interesting trends on uh, like teams coming off trips to quote-unquote party cities, and Las Vegas definitely qualifies as well. You see a bit of a dip here with some of these um, players with you know extra time to spend on the extracurriculars in some of these uh, environments here. Um, 53-man roster let loose in Las Vegas without a football game for a week. I have my concerns there. Um, favorites off a of bye since 2020, 14 and 24 against the spread. Underdogs off a of bye in that time span, 15 and 8 against the spread. Both these teams are off a of bye here. Um, I mentioned uh, dogs getting seven or more, three and one against the spread over that sample size. And um, there have been, again, both teams off a of bye. Uh, there have been 38 games over the last 20 years where both teams are off of a bye. Uh, the road team is 21 and 16 and one against the spread. Uh, teams with the better record are 13 and 18 against the spread. So I like the dog here. I like Houston plus the seven. Um, my favorite way to attack this game probably will be a Josh Jacobs rushing prop. There are a couple defenses that I'm just looking to target every week with the opposing running backs. The Steelers give up rushing yards like crazy. The Texans give up rushing yards like crazy. The Chargers, um, the Saints, and the Seahawks have been very susceptible lately. So there's a couple defenses. The Jets have been, although they've been better this year. The Jets actually have been better, so maybe not right now. But yeah, the Texans, it's just kind of an autoplay for me to take the starting running backs rushing yards against the Texans week in and week out. I've had a lot of success on guys like Austin Eckler. Um, I, I, think I, I think I took one on James Robinson that did all right. I can't remember. There was another one that I smashed really easily recently against the Texans. So it's just, it's a system play. Um, yeah. Do I have any other trends on this one? Houston's getting 42% of the bets, but 67% of the money on the spread at DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under is getting 44% of the bets, <clears throat> but 83% of the money on the over in this game. So I'll be looking to take Houston plus the seven in the over in a game that I think actually can be more exciting than most people think. Um, the ref in this one, John Hussey, averages 42.7. That's not great for my over theory right there. And home teams actually doing well, 5-1 and one straight up, but 3-3 three and three against the spread this year. So maybe the Raiders win a close one, but they don't cover the 7. We'll see if Hussey can get us there. But uh, my pick's going to be Texans uh, plus 7 here. Next game in the afternoon window, 4.05 Eastern kickoff. The New York Jets head out to the Mountain Time Zone to take on the Denver Broncos in you know, they might be the grossest team to watch in the entire NFL this year, and that says a lot. I mean, there are teams like the Commanders and the Bears that still exist, and the Denver Broncos somehow are really fucking taking the cake on this one. Uh, the Broncos, I believe, are minus one right now. This line opened minus three, so the Jets are getting hammered early in the week here, already going down two points. The over-under on this one has dropped significantly as well. From Tuesday to Friday this week, the over has went from 40 and a half to 37 and a half. Pretty wild. Uh, referee Bill Vinovich here, uh, the games are averaging 52 points per game this year. Um, so we'll see if that one can come through on that under that's getting hammered so heavily. 55, 58, excuse me, percent of the bets, but 88% of the dollars on the under there 
on DraftKings. Um, and in the other cash split here, we got the Denver Broncos getting 19% of the bets, 27% of the dollars in the spread here. And I am trying to tell myself so badly not to bet on the Broncos this week, but I am going to pick the Broncos here despite the fact that they look like shit. And I really am done. I'm done betting this team. Like it, if you bet money on this team, even if you win the bet, it doesn't feel good. You, you don't feel happy with it. You don't enjoy watching the game. They're just a close your eyes team every fucking week. I just, I'm going to fade the Jets over and over again, and maybe I'm wrong. They honestly, they have a lot going well for them. And maybe I just have to get past this fucking Zach Wilson thing. Um, but he's not good, guys. Like, the Jets are winning games in spite of Zach Wilson. It is not because of him. Brees Hall is playing absolutely phenomenal, and maybe they just have that formula down. I mean, their O-line is playing well, and their running game is playing well. So if they can continue to stick to that formula, I get it. Like, they could pull this off. And I'm going to cool down on, like, aggressively fading the Jets right now because maybe I was just wrong about them coming into this season. We do, you know, they do have a lot of young talent. I really like Elijah Vera Tucker on the O-line. Brees Hall's phenomenal. The young receivers playing pretty well here. Um, the defense really stepping up. Quinn and Williams on that D-line looks like a real monster. And, and Sauce Gardner is the front runner for defensive rookie of the year right now, and he, and he deserves it. He looks like a legit Pro Bowl corner from day one. That said, this is a New York team going to play out in mountain time zone. That travel spot, I don't really love taking Eastern East Coast teams traveling out to Denver. Um, in mile high, um, the over-under, see if you want to play something like the under in this spot. It's dropped three points this year or this week. The under is 40 and 22 and 1. Um, excuse me, the under is 40 and 22 and 1. That's 64.5% at mile high since 2015. It's the most profitable under uh, location in the NFL over that time. And it's 3-0 and at Mile High this year. The Broncos are 5-1 and to the under this year. And they go under by 12.8 points per game. It's the largest margin in the NFL. So Broncos games are dead unders right now. This has already dropped three points. If you want to chase the number, it might not be a bad idea. This could legitimately be a 13-10 to football game. It wouldn't surprise me too much. I'm going to pick the Broncos for the sake of being a contrarian. Um, the fact that the Jets are getting 73% of bets on a spread on the road on the West Coast to me is mind-blowing. So I just can't do it for the sake of uh, some of those factors here. But fuck the Broncos, man. And fuck Russell Wilson. The whole media world is piling onto that guy, and I'm here for it too. Fuck that guy. Um, if you guys ever... Any of you watched that Dahmer series on Netflix? I heard that was actually a prequel to the upcoming Russell Wilson biopic. Because that guy just is an absolute sociopath with the shit that he's pulling these days. And the fact that he continues to put all these cringy ad campaigns and all these fucking ridiculous quotes out there in his press conferences, I'm so over it. The guy needs to just retire right now. End of rant. Um, I guess I'm picking the Broncos in that one, but fuck that game. 425 kickoff. Let's talk about the Seahawks heading down to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. The Chargers are a six and a half point home favorite over under four, uh, excuse me, 51 and a half. Uh, I think it dropped to 50 and a half as of this afternoon, opening at that 51 and a half this week. And I'm going with Seattle plus the six and a half. I also like the under in this one. We got some trends here for you. First off, referee Land Clark. Road team, 4-2 and two against the spread, 4-1-1 one and one straight up this year. He did ref that week one tie between the Texans and the Colts. Uh, road favorites, 3-1 and one against the spread. Seattle's not a favorite here, but just another little nugget about how this guy does tend to favor road teams. Um, the, the Chargers uh, just continue to be the Chargers, one of the most consistently inconsistent teams in the National Football League. Justin Herbert, 7-11 and 11 against the spread is a favorite of three or more. Uh, the Chargers, 16-24 and 24 against the spread at home since moving to Los Angeles. So there is no home field advantage here. We have a team from Seattle that I'm sure has a pretty large fan base and probably a pretty well-traveling fan base um, just to you know, head down on that West Coast. It's not like they have to travel over to Carolina or New York or anything. Um, so this should essentially be a home game for the Seahawks. This Seahawks team, to be honest, they don't look that bad. Um, they, yeah, they, they've been 
better than I thought. I mean, they're, they're, they're showing some fight here. I don't know why I'm pausing here. I guess I don't want to give them the credit that they deserve, but they have been playing decent. I'll say that um, part of the reason I like the under here in this one, that Seahawks offense has not been great against like good defenses that they've played. They've really thrived against defenses like the Saints and the Lions, but against teams like the Patriots and I'm blanking on the other, uh, the Broncos, you know, they have not played well. So I think this game can stay low scoring. Um, the, uh, the, okay. Yeah. So the, the last nine Seahawks games with a total of 50 or more, the under is eight and one. Um, and with the, with the chargers, Brandon Staley, the head coach in games where the over under is under 50, the over is 10 and three. But in games where the over-under is 50 or more, the under is 7-3. and three. So when we look at that 50, it's it, it's a pretty strong indicator as far as a threshold for how Brandon Saley's games are going to go. So that leans into the under. Also, the under is 9-3 and three in 12 games. Uh, yeah, there's been, excuse me, guys. There's been 12 games this year uh, with an over-under of 50 or more. The under is 9-3 and three in those games. Uh, yeah. So sorry, guys, my, my, my stats are all over the place here. Herbert is also 11-25-2 against the spread in the second half throughout his career. So possible live bet situation here. If the Chargers are up at halftime, maybe the Seahawks can come back and close the number. We'll see. Who knows? Um, a lot of this goes into the fact that the Seahawks are very good at running the football. They've had success with Rashad Penny this year, and they're, they they looked great with Kenneth Walker last week. And I think Walker is going to be able to carve up this Seahawks de- or the Chargers defense. The Chargers defense is one of those defenses that I'll play on over and over again as far as just taking the rushing props against them because they really do give up a shitload of yards on the ground. They didn't last week because the Broncos decided to not run the football um, for some strange reason. But uh, I think that just the way that Seattle wants to run their offense and the way that the Chargers want to run their defense, kind of a mismatch here, almost similar to how I see that Ravens-Browns game this week. Both six-and-a-half-point road dogs who like to run the ball a lot against poor run defenses. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Char- I'm gonna take the Seahawks plus the six-and-a-half. Um, and that's about all I have to say about it. That's what we're looking at for that one. Let's move on. Seahawks plus six and a half. I think they can run the ball in L.A. Last afternoon kickoff, 425. Uh, possibly game of the week here, potentially. Um, and a big one uh, relative to the Christian McCaffrey news here this weekend. The Chiefs at the 49ers. 49ers opened as a three-point underdog here. Down to one and a half as we sit here Friday afternoon. Over under 48 and a half in this game and I'm going with the 49ers in this one. Feels weird. Don't really want to do it. But in my gut of guts here, my contrarian mind, I have to do this. Um, it's it's tough to take the Chiefs to lose two games in a row. Definitely. But the Bills and the 49ers, those are two quality opponents. It happens. It happens to everybody. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-4 and four against the spread, 14-6 and six straight up as an underdog in his career in the NFL. Um, the 49ers here uh, on DraftKings, they're only getting 11% of the spread bets, but the line is not moving up. It's moving down. That's called reverse line movement. Um, this went from three to two and a half earlier in this week. And then I think overnight here with the McCaffrey trade, it dropped another point. Personally, I don't give a shit about the McCaffrey trade. I don't think it really makes a big difference for this weekend. Now, if I say that and McCaffrey comes out and he gets used and he busts an 80-yard touchdown run, I'm going to look like a fool. But I'm just saying it's not my main reason for making this pick. I think that this 49ers defense, now I'll have to check final injury reports to see if they're getting everybody back. But it looks like they are getting some pieces back, I think. I think Bosa should be good to go. That's a game changer for them. Um they're at home here. This is kind of, this is a, uh, I, I don't know how to put this. I think maybe they need this game more than the Chiefs need this game. Um, the Chiefs can still win their division, in my opinion, with the way that the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers look right now by dropping this one. It's a road non-conference game against a team that's going to be physical here. They're going to run the football. They're going to show up, I think, for that home crowd and um, what's going to be uh, basically a nationally televised game with a massive audience. Um 
and I, th- I think they can handle it here. Like I said, you know, San Francisco at home only getting 11% of the bets here, yet the number has dropped down from three to one and a half. It's classic reverse line movement. The under is getting 51% of the bets, but 60% of the money at DraftKings. And to me, an under in this spot is indicative of the 49ers having success, um, being able to, you know, keep that Kansas City offense um, in check, you know, don't let things get too crazy, don't give up too many big plays, and then be able to run the football still. And I think the 49ers can do that. I, I think the 49ers are a sneaky team to go on a run, and I know I'm not the only one saying that. But what I'm saying is they're 3-3 three and three right now. I really don't view them as a 3-3 three and three football team. Even if they lose this game, I think they can get hot coming up. I really do. Um so yeah, I'm going to go with the 49ers to pull off the upset at home here, and I'm going to take the Chiefs to lose uh, back-to-back games, which I know maybe not eh, not fun to do, but I'm going to do it. Sunday night football. We got the Steelers heading down to Miami. Miami is a seven-point favorite. Over-under is 44-and-a-half in this one. And I've gone back and forth on this one as well. Definitely not an easy game to pick. Um, A lot of question marks surrounding both these teams at the quarterback position. Kenny Pickett, full participant in practice, cleared from concussion protocol. I'm still not sure at time of recording if it's going to be him or Trubisky starting, to be honest. I I kind of assume Trubisky, to be honest. I don't know if uh, with the the narrative here around concussions in the NFL, um, you know, shout out Tua since we're talking about him in this game as well. I think with all that shit happening over the last couple of weeks and all the conversation about concussion protocols, I don't know if Pittsburgh puts Pickett out there coming off a concussion just this week to get dinged up again on national TV. We'll see. Uh, Word is Tua is playing, however. He's fully recovered from that concussion suffered on Thursday night football two weeks ago against the Bengals. Um, This is, again, a weird game, tough spot a little bit. I'm going with the Dolphins, minus seven here. Um, I'm really, I'm kind of a biased guy in terms of my gut, usually leaning towards the Steelers and believing in Tomlin to get things done, but I just don't love this spot here. Tomlin is 47 and 24 against the spread as a dog in his career. However, um, what do we got in night games, 36, 18 and three against the spread. Um, Tomlin, uh, since 2017 in night games, nine and 17 against the spread. Uh, That is the worst in the NFL since 2017. Um, Also, Tomlin in night games. He's great as a favorite, 36 and 11 straight up, but only 10 and 19 straight up as an underdog. Uh, He's 41 and 24 straight up in night games with Big Ben, but only 5 and 6 straight up with all other quarterbacks. In the last 30 years, the Steelers are 0 and 7 straight up in night games as underdogs of a touchdown or more. Um, this is a team with a major national fan base. They will get uh, pu- public money more often than not, regardless of uh, the team really not being that good right now. They're coming off a big win against the Buccaneers, so many people might see that as momentum. I see it as really more or less the Bucks kind of shitting the bed last week, if we can be honest with it. I'm not ready to, to talk about the Steelers just all of a sudden figuring it out right now. Um, This is a road team who averages uh, less than 17 points per game on offense. Um, In those situations, uh, playing in night games over the last 20 years, those teams are 28 and 68 straight up, 49 and 47 against the spread. Also, when a team plays at home followed by a road trip to Florida, where the Florida team is above 500 and the road, excuse me, let me read that again. Yeah, so this is a weird stat, guys. When a team plays at home, followed by a road trip to Florida, where the where the Florida team is above 500. So the Steelers were at home last week in Pittsburgh. They're in Miami, and the Dolphins have a uh, 500 or better record here. Uh, the road team is 13 and 25 straight up, 14, 22 and two against the spread over the last 20 years. So all of those say Dolphins uh, fade the Steelers. A lot of historical stuff right there. Uh, The Dolphins are getting 45% of the bets, but 67% of the dollars on the spread here. Steelers getting 35% of the money line bets, but 45% of the dollars on the money line. Also, the over, 36% of the bets, 58% of the money. Um, I mentioned the Steelers, one of those teams that I really like to play against for rushing props. 
I think Raheem Mostert has a big night here. I could see Mostert um, being able to carve up this run defense quite a bit. I think this Dolphins team has been moving the ball pretty pretty well on the ground. And maybe maybe that's part of the game plan with Tua just coming back off that concussion. Maybe they run heavy and maybe they have a lot of success with it. The ref, Scott Novak, 47.4 points per game this year in an over-under of 44 with the over getting sharp money. Uh, road teams, 5-1 and one against the spread, 4-2 and two straight up this year. Road dogs, 4-1 and one against the spread this year. So that does favor Pittsburgh. If you like the Steelers in this spot, the ref likes them as well. So that's something to be aware of. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't love it for Pittsburgh this week. I don't know who's playing QB, but I, I'm not ready to just assume that they've got momentum after that, that kind of outlier upset over the Bucks last week. Um, I don't even know who I want to start at QB this week, honestly. I think, I think better odds to win this game is Trubisky, but I don't know if I feel confident about that. And I think if two is fully healthy, he's better than both of them by a mile. So I'll take the Dolphins here. Last game this week, we've got the Chicago Bears at the New England Patriots for Monday Night Football. This is probably a game that I will not turn on, because why would you want to watch this shit? Justin Fields versus Bailey Zappi. The NFL has really given us um, an awesome primetime slate this year, right guys? Uh, not even to begin to talk about. The Denver Broncos have played in primetime in four out of six weeks, guys. We have to watch that team so much. They have three more primetime games this year. They have seven. Seven on the season. Seven out of 18 weeks, we have to watch the goddamn Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, they keep giving the Bears primetime games, too. I don't fucking get it. This team stinks. Give me the Patriots. They're minus 7.5 at home, over-unders 39.5. This game should be very gross. Um, the Patriots should have success running the ball like they always do. Uh, Brad Allen is the referee here. He averages 51.6 points per game, so maybe it's higher scoring than the total indicates. Uh, but Brad Allen's got my back on the Patriots this week. Home teams are 4-1 and one against the spread this year. They're 3-2 and two straight up. Uh, home favorites, 2-0 and oh against the spread. Um, they also went 9-6 and six against the spread and straight up for Brad Allen in 2021. Home teams, not home favorites. Um, the under for Brad Allen, 4-2 and two this year, um, but again, averaging 51.6. So he must have had some really high lines or some really outlier scores. Um, let's get into the situational stuff. Belichick without Brady as a home favorite of seven or more, five and one against the spread. I thought without Brady was a very key couple of words in that stat because I could find, I found so much information on Belichick's record, you know, off a loss or at home or at home as a favorite or this and that or whatever. But you know what? Over the sample size of the last 20 years, I don't really care because Belichick has been with Brady and this team has been so much different. You still have to uh, appreciate what Belichick's been able to do, and you can apply some of the same angles in situational spots. But, dude, like th that 20-year sample size is kind of irrelevant right now, right? Uh, but without Brady, 5-1 and one against the spread at home as a favorite of 7 or more. In night games, teams favored by a touchdown or more with a total below 42 are 42-28-1 against the spread over the last 20 years. So that helps our home Patriots trend here. Uh, since 2019, again, you know, recent history, not long term. The Patriots are 17 and two straight up, 12, six and one against the spread as touchdown favorites or higher. Uh, the Bears, on the other hand, 1936 and one against the spread since 2019. That is the worst record against the spread in the NFL. The Bears fucking stink. I'll bet against them every week, guys. I mean, maybe I'm a broken record at this point. Maybe I'm a little bit too set in my ways with some of my opinions on these teams. And maybe this is too big of a number for Bailey Zappi to cover here. Uh, Bailey Zappi's look pretty fucking good. I've talked, to, I've picked the Patriots as a, one of my top spread picks each of the last two weeks since Bailey Zappi's been the starter, and they've been dominant because as, I think Mac Jones is a decent quarterback, but I think that Belichick is very good at getting the most out of whatever quarterback he has in there. This is a guy that was able to scrap together wins with Jacoby fucking Brissett. Uh, in like third string relief duties when Brady was there a few years ago. You know, like Belichick knows what he's doing here. I think he's got something with Zappy. I think the run game is going to be able to thrive. Chicago's not a good run defense either. Um, Damian Pierce carved him up for over 100 yards a couple of weeks ago. I think, uh, what's his name, Ramondre Stevenson should be able to eat here as well. Ramondre Stevenson, anytime touchdown. Um, maybe the safest bet in sports right now, aside from Matt Stafford interception, 
right? So give me the Patriots laying the number here on Monday night. Speaking of Matt Stafford, I failed to mention there are four teams on a bye this week. It is the LA Rams, the Buffalo Bills, the Minnesota Vikings, and my Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, wrap up this episode. Shout out to the Eagles, baby. We are 6-0 and heading into the bye week. We got Pittsburgh coming up in week eight. Uh, pretty easy schedule here. We could be looking at potentially 7-8-9-0, guys. Um, don't say I didn't warn you because I was pretty aggressive about the Eagles this summer. Uh, got that plus 275 to win the NFC East. We just need Dallas and New York to start losing some football games. And New York loses this weekend to the Jaguars. So can't wait to celebrate that next week. That's my episode, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Love you guys. Sorry about no episode last week. Hopefully that's the last one I missed this season. Uh, Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at SGRPOD. Check me out Sunday mornings. We're going to be doing our top pick videos, getting all our content out, all our gambling picks, this and that. The social media is where you can find it. So that's it, guys. That is SGR 105. Appreciate it as always. Until next time, ramble on.